Right. So the first one I had was the um, every every month they come out with some data from ANZ and CoreLogic, and they do a housing affordability report. Yep. And they tracked and showed that the medium time required to save for a, a, a deposit is blowing out to 11.4 uh, years on average. So the uh -huh. figure that they've used is based on medium household e uh, income data from the ANU Center for Social Research and Method, which forecasted that the median out household income they're measuring with is $1,665 a week for, the, for that. Um, yep. Like that's the income for the week, assuming that a household can save 15% of their gross annual income. Um, mm -hmm. The argument being in part of this report that prices and rental costs have risen so much the last couple of years, which is leading to affordability issues. So the, mm -hmm. the idea being that if rent rental costs go up uh, over the last two years, it's going yep. to be harder for people to save as much as it would have been pre the rent going up. But at the yep. same time, as housing prices go up in value, the average amount of money you need to get, like prepare for a deposit is going to go up too. Yeah. I, I wondered what your thoughts were on it, obviously. And like, maybe just millennials are entitled, Dave. No, 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 no. It is. It's, and it's always been the issue. Like even when we bought our first house in the late eighties, and we've seen those clips from the 60s um, that people share around on Facebook when they find old newspapers about you know, how a first home buyer is going to get into a home. And it, you, know, you can see with the election coming up this Saturday, um, you know, a lot of the government's policies and the opposition's policy around housing is targeting first home buyers and trying to overcome that deposit issue. Because, you know, if you're paying rent, um, and, you know, you're, you're an average income, you know, trying to save for a deposit while you're renting is um, is pretty hard. You know, and I, I had a chat with a young couple yesterday who um, I'd talked to probably six months ago and, you know, their rent's going up and, you know, they worked out that they could probably afford a mortgage of, you know, 500 a week, which is what their rent's going to be, but they just don't have the savings and they don't have, you know, a parental guarantor or they don't have 5% to qualify for one of the, one of the government schemes. So... Look, it is, it is hard. It's always been that way. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of these, um, you know, use your super schemes, which I'll talk about a bit later. And, um, but yeah, and I suppose the thing is a few experts are tipping prices to drop 10 to 15%. Um, you know, the AMP guys, some of the banks, even some of the property forecasters, Core Logic and SQM, they're sort of saying prices will stabilise. So hopefully, if prices do drop, It'll help more people get in the market, but the you know the main issue which we've talked about around housing prices quite a while is lack of supply, mm -hmm. and until that's addressed, you know we're probably still going to be chatting about this in ten years. Yeah, this one I thought was pretty interesting, Dad. So SunCorp Group uh, is is considering, uh, according to a, a financial review report, they're looking at selling their banking arm, and NAB has expressed interest in buying it. Um, Reportedly, they've notified the top brass at Suncorp they're interested in it if it's becoming available. And if they were to sell the banking arm of the business, they'd probably get about $5 billion for it uh, for yeah. the sale. 
Um, acquiring Suncorp might add nearly $60 billion in loans to NAB's balance sheet. Because the way I'm, I'm assuming this is how it works, if you buy a banking arm, you're taking on all of their customers, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah all, their, all, their, all their homeland customers, yeah. And um, Queensland is Australia's third largest retail banking market, and it would likely bolster NAB's, obviously bolster their presence in Queensland if they're taking on a lot of their business. Because yeah. from what this article talked about too, Suncorp is mainly based in Queensland. Um, uh-huh. And it sort yes, of came... They offices and they sponsor the football stadium up there. Yeah, so... Is this is this sort of a move that if a, if a, a move that potentially would really boost the NAB banking and would this like really give them a bit more power in the market if they were to acquire it? I'm not really sure how big Suncorp are. Yeah, look, Suncorp are pretty big, but and I think they some of their investors and you know obviously their board are thinking that their main business is insurance and the lending business sort of is holding them back. Um, if it was me, I'd probably. If it was me in charge of Suncorp, I reckon I'd keep. I reckon I'd keep it because I think the way with climate change and floods and all that sort of stuff, the insurance industry is going to be quite interesting over the next you know, ten to fifteen years. So if it was me, I'd probably be keeping it. But um, obviously, yeah, there's people saying that. Um, it's holding their insurance business back. From NAB's point of view, you know, they can grow their loan book um, organically, you know, by um, getting new customers, um, getting their existing customers to you know, upgrade their properties, so take on bigger loans or, or buy additional properties. But, you know, the other way to grow their loan book is just to buy a competitor. So we've seen that with, like, years ago, Bankwest getting bought by ComBank, St George getting bought by... Um, Westpac uh, recently, 86400, got bought by NAB and have, they announced this morning that they're going to be rebranded as Ubank, which was um, NAB's online bank anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's not really surprising. This sort of stuff happens quite a bit where, um, you know, opportunities come for, um, you know, banks to grow their books by buying a competitor. So it'll have to go through the normal checks from the... Um, Competition commission, I imagine, to make sure it's not reducing competition. But yeah, this might this might be a silly take, but I sort of like eighty six four hundred as the name. Like I wrote, like I didn't even know Ubank was a thing that NAB yeah. owned. They should have just kept it as eighty six four hundred. It's a nicer name. Yeah, well, I think eighty six four hundred is the number of seconds in a day. I'm pretty sure that's where they came with the name. Mm. Um, I'm just going to work that out. Twenty four. Times 60, times 60. Yeah, 24 hours, 60 minutes, 60 seconds is 86,400. Mm. And the guy who... Um, Very deep. Yeah, he come up with it was about basically saying that, you know, every second counts when you're, when you're applying for finance. So that's where the name came from. But, mm. you know, they, <clears throat> I find it interesting that they have um, you know, all this thing about, oh, we're a challenger bank and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then as soon as someone comes along with a, with a, a big check, they just go, oh... Um, what did we say then? No, we didn't mean that. Let's take the money and run. And look, not to, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, same. Yeah, absolutely. Would have, I would have said, yep, show me, you know, Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Mm. But um, and I think, yeah, a lot of the big banks have pretty outdated IT systems. So what I think NAB were looking to do was rather than, you know, spend quite a lot of money updating their systems, 
they found a lender that already had a pretty smart system and they just bought it. So what, that was easier. And I suppose over time, they'll look to um, you know, implement that system into their mainstream business to improve their loan approval process. So, mm. but yeah, look, NAB are a good bank and, um, yeah, you know, they're, um, they're, you know, buying 86400 was a good move. And, you know, as we just talked about, they're looking to get Suncorp as well. So the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, bring out monthly lending indicators and they're usually one or two months late. So keep that keep that in mind, but they tracked that the number of people taking out investor home uh, investor loans increased by 2.9% in March. Um, sort of just highlighting that the amount of people getting into the market to buy homes as investment properties has been increasing consistently over the last couple of months. And a couple of, uh, I guess, property commentators and buyers agents have been talking about how it's, it's great to see that investors are getting back into the market now, but it's a bit too late for, for it to make any material change in the housing supply issues that we're having where there's not enough rentals in a lot of places. Um, one of the interesting stats that I read was um, investors, as of March 2022, investors comprise 35.1% of mortgage demand by value which is up from a, rec- a recent record low of 22.9% in 2020. Um, yeah. And an and interesting stat too that we'll go on about uh, a bit later as well from uh, Simon Presley in Propertyology that according to the 2016 census, there are around 2.5 million rental properties in Oz. And in uh, March of 2022, only about 37,000 of those were vacant countrywide. And if you get that stat of 37,000 vacant uh, rental properties, a lot of those are going to be in Sydney and Melbourne and a lot less of them are going to be dispersed around the hundred and the thousands of suburbs across the country that are, you know, involved as well. So what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, look, I suppose that those figures, um, yeah, 37,000 vacant, 2.5 million. That gives a vacancy rate of like 0.1, uh, 1.48%, which is pretty low. And as you said, there's some places where the vacancy rate might be 3 to 4% and other places where it's basically zero. You know, there's no, no rental properties. Um, it's always, um, I suppose, a bit, you've got to be a bit cautious comparing stats year on year because during the pandemic, quite a few investors sort of sat back. Mm. Um, yeah, they were probably going to auctions and trying to buy houses against cashed up owner occupiers who were paying more for property than, um, than what the investor was prepared to pay. And then now that a lot of those first home buyers and people have bought properties or they've decided just to um, cool their jets till they see what happens with the election or they're worried about interest rates. So they're, they're not sort of, they're not going to do anything at the moment. The, yeah, the number of, the number of loans, yeah, if there's a hundred loans and the number of loans to owner occupiers reduces, well, the number of loans to investors would normally go up. So it's a bit hard to, to sort of get a handle on it. There seems to be more investors around than there were over the last two years. So, um, yeah, I just I just think like we talk we talk about it all the time. The lack that lack of supply is the issue, and that's why prices are so high. Mm. And if you take your mind back two years to when um, when you couldn't get toilet paper and people were um, selling toilet paper online and 
selling it for high prices and because of lack of supply, it's a similar thing. So, um, yeah, until they sort that out. Um, I remember hearing a thing about the nine housing ministers and the only thing they haven't, or they haven't, one thing the nine housing ministers haven't done is met. So it sort of shows you that we've got um, state and local government in charge of supply of housing and then um, largely the feds in charge of uh, demand, you know, through the government schemes and home builders and all this other stuff. And it's, it's almost like they're pulling at either end of a tug of war rope um, and in the middle is all the people falling over who can't afford a place. So it just seems all a bit, it's all a bit all over the shop. Mm. Last one I had that sort of continuing on uh, propertyology and Simon Presley, he's been on the podcast quite a few times. They re- released another report sort of tracking what the pandemic did over the last two years. And um, so some interesting stats I thought we'd share. So in 2021, four of our eight capital cities had a total population decline, including 60,500 people uh, leaving Greater Melbourne. Nationally, we produced our lowest annual population growth in more than 100 years, which was not since the First World War that that has occurred. Um, the pandemic drove a redistribution of residents, is how uh, Simons po- uh, put it. The Oz combined uh, the combined regional population of Australia increased by seventy thousand nine hundred people, while the combined capital city population declined by twenty six thousand. He also noted that in the twelve months to June twenty twenty one, a record high of five hundred and fifty three thousand nine hundred seventy seven real estate transaction occurred, and sixty percent of those were in regional Australia. So a lot more of the property sales occurred in those areas than they did in the capital cities. But we're still going through this crazy rental supply where a a, a good little chunk of the population moved to regional places that didn't have the housing to support the move. And some of those people bought houses and some of those people moved there to try and rent. And it was extremely difficult to pick places up. But the population movement and and the, the net loss that we had was quite interesting, I thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like that thing of saying that, you know, there was nearly 300,000 babies born um, and net overseas migration of 87,000 and, you know, how many people people sort of dying and that sort of thing. And, mm. you know, I remember hearing a podcast once and the person said um, babies don't buy houses. So, you know, you might get a couple who have a, have a child or, you know, a single person might have a child. And yeah, they don't necessarily then go out and buy a new house. You know, they might might be until the second or third child comes along. Yeah, they might be more inclined to renovate, or they might actually have to pull their uh, socks up because they, um, you know, are down on income. So yeah, it's just you know, yeah, some really really good stats. There's a a report out today from Propertyology about the the five best property markets over the last five years, and yeah, they're sort of dispersed all around the country, and they're They've all gone up because of you know for, for different factors, but yeah, that's the sort of thing with the with the pandemic that um, you know there has been an increase of people moving to the regions, whether that's the work from home revolution or people just people are a bit older, maybe thinking, look, um, it's time to retire. Um, you know, there's there's all these new um, changes being planned with. Um, you know, downsizing contributions and all that sort of stuff in the in the government, um, you know, during the election, which I'll talk about shortly. And so, yeah, it's just just a lot of things happening. But I suppose the thing is, um, 
you know, if you're looking to invest, just do your research about where to invest and get some expert help from like Propertyology, Investor Kit, Dash Dot, the usual suspects, John Lindemann, you know, the, the, the people we always recommend. Was there anything else you wanted to cover before we got out of here? I think you wanted to talk uh, about the super announcements, right? I thought that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I've just got a bit of, a bit on that. So people are probably aware that um, we have, you know, election this weekend and, you know, the Liberal Party announced on the weekend a proposal to allow people to draw up to 50 grand from their super um, or up to four, up to 50 grand, so long as it's not, and, and uh, as as long as it's no more than 40% of their super balance and they can withdraw that to use in um, a house deposit. And that sort of, you know, I'm not sure how that'll work um, from the government's re-election point of view because there's a few people poo-pooing it, saying that it's just going to lead to more house price increases, but who knows. Um, there were some stats on there saying that the average, these, these are from 2019 tax statistics, was it the average male, 30 to 34, had 51,000 in super. So, you know, if you can get uh, 40% out, that means you can get about 20 grand. And the average females was 42, so they could get about 17 grand. And so whether it impacts a lot of people, um, not too sure. Um, Labor's policy is um, where they're basically going to take an equity stake in, in houses that, you know, you'd repay when you're, when you pay the um, when you sell your house, um, so it's a bit bit interesting. The the thing I did notice is on Sportsbet, um, the Labor Party, the odds are um, they're a dollar twenty eight to win the election, and Sportsbet are not taking bets on the coalition anymore. So they've obviously had a lot of people bet on the coalition at like four dollars, thinking in a two horse race that's not a that's not a bad bet. And, yeah, they're only taking a bet on a Labor win or someone else. Mm. So, you know, the Greens or um, United Australia Party winning, they're at 200 to 1. So, you know, if you if you like a little side bet to try and win a fortune, um, just gamble responsibly. That's all I'd say. Um, the Yeah, so that, that, that's interesting. Um, a couple of other things I thought were coming through was... Um, there was um, the Westpac Melbourne Institute survey showed that um, people's um, sort of confidence level dropped 5.6% in May, um, largely coming off the interest rate rights from the Reserve Bank. So, you know, they're thinking that, um, you know, Bill Evans, the chief economist for Westpac, sort of said they thought that um, the, the, the prospect of rising interest rates had sort of spooked people. And I know we're getting a lot more calls from clients sort of saying, you know, what do we think will happen with interest rates and that sort of thing. Interestingly, um, the head of the ComBank um, was apparently talking to his Uber driver who was telling him a few things. And he said he thought, and the CBA guy said he thought that um, the banks might have overshot how much they think interest rates will go up. So, like, we've, we've talked about how fixed rates are probably 2% higher than variable rates at the moment. And a lot of that is driven by the cost of funding, um, which the banks get from all sources, including the US, which is where uh, the Federal Reserve in the US has raised interest rates quite a bit lately. So, um, 
yeah, he was just saying he he said he, he you know the common bank guy said he doesn't really think rates will hit the high levels predicted by some economists. So that was sort of pretty cool. Um, a couple of other things was just traditionally when you get a loan, you need um, pay slips, um, you know, credit card statements, home loan statements, those sorts of things to show your credit worthiness. There's some banks do what they call alternate doc loans, and it's mainly when you're um, self-employed where they will let you use um, your BAS, um, an accountant's letter, or a self-declaration of your income. So if, you know, if we've got anyone online who, um, who was self-employed, might have just started, may have only lodged a couple of BAS, they might have been going for, you know, 12 to 18 months, so not the sort of traditional two years with two years tax returns. Um, there are other options to get loans. So, um, you know, if you talk to a broker, they can let you know what sort of different options you've got. Um, and I think that was probably about it for me. Yesterday, Batuta Advocate had an article that said, ScoMo, ask not what your super can do for you, but what your super can do for the property market. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So um, uh, obviously, if people want to get in touch with us, there's a website, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. You can check out that website to see more of what we get up to. Um, Facebook, you just search Money Saver Home Loans and you'll find us there too. And as always, share it around if you find this content helpful. And if you yep. know anyone that might like to listen to it, do you know do the right thing. Send it to them as well. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as Damo said, yeah, some good content on Facebook and Instagram, um, on our website, some great calculators. Um, if you need help, um, reach out. Lots of banks and brokers are pretty busy at the moment, so you'll probably... Um, I know we're saying to clients, we've got a couple of week you know, uh, queue at the moment for new clients and um, some brokers. And um, I was talking to a client who's looking to buy down in, sorry, to sell in Tassie at the moment and went back to the conveyancer that they'd used a while back. And the conveyancer said they're not taking new clients on at the moment. But because he had um, purchased through them a couple of years ago, um, they were willing to help him. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty busy time for everybody. So don't go, our advice is always, don't go making offers before you're approved and, you know, probably allow about a month for that. Easy. All right. Have a good day, people.